I never should have taken you to that house up on the hill. Well, I have no complaints about the house. As for me, taking my principal pleasure and lashing out at the one person who was decent enough to stand by me through all my foolishness. I know things haven't been easy for you. Somewhere under all that scar tissue, there's the faintest flicker of what we used to feel for each other. I'm asking you to feel that now. Chats, a television podcast, season 12, Peaks Chats. My name is Magellan, and fine, 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 okay, okay. Chats pod, fantastic, I love it. Co-host, I'm so happy, I can't even say how much. After you. No, 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 after you. Oh, after me. (laughs) (laughs) It's Alan. Hey, Alan, how you doing? Good. I, I'm impressed that you didn't attempt. I'm actually happy that you didn't attempt an Icelandic accent there. I um, halfway through the sentence realized I wasn't doing it. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this is for the best. <laughs> I think that the actor doing that <laughs> thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can kind of hear it happen. As he's you can hear him drop it. Yeah. I, actually, I yeah. Maybe we're being foolish. Maybe I don't know. But maybe I don't think that's Icelandic. Guy was. And that's what it sounds like. Brian Straub is the actor. <laughs> He's American. Got him. Nailed it. <laughs> okay, there we go. So, how how you doing? Alan? All right, you big didn't friend. I say I was, didn't I say I was going to stop asking you that? You can ask me whatever you want. Episode. You might have been on a Patreon episode. None of those are canon, so for all intents right. and purposes, you never said it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm doing really well. It's uh, been very like stormy this month, which has been disappointing, but um, I'm hoping for some nice weather this weekend, you know, party with the friends. I got fun stuff coming up in the tank, so I'm happy to be. I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy to be here. That's the truth of the matter. Yeah, more than anything right. else. Okay, great. How That's about you? Great. Well, I, I'm. Uh, we never ask you how you are. I I don't know if I'm as high on life as as you are, but I'm I'm doing all right. I'm here. We're watching Twin Peaks. We're 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 doing the thing, and uh, I say let's talk about it because I think that'll be a fun fun time. A great so, man named Hank once told me that life is very short and we need to do what we can and that you owe me $90,000. And so that's the like life philosophy kept, I take. This. I didn't like how he kept repeating the phrase oriental philosophy. Oh, David Lynch <laughs> and Mark Frost. That was not so cool. Well, you know, we can we can place a lot of uh, a lot of this squarely on the shoulders of Mark Frost to this particular episode because uh, on this episode of Peaks Chats, we only watched one episode of Twin Peaks, which was the finale of season one called The Last Evening, which was directed and written by Mark Frost. Whoa! 
50% of the creative team behind Twin Peaks, uh, but sometimes he's only talked about 5% of the time. What's up with that? Maybe we should talk about him a little bit more. Uh, and we might have some things to say about that in this episode. This one aired on May 23rd, 1990. Alan, what happened in the last evening? Well, my John, uh, I wrote this summary, so I, I'm hoping I'm going to time myself right now to see if I can get it done and get it out in 30 seconds. Because uh, that was my goal. And here it is. In the climactic finale of Twin Peaks Season 1, all of our major plots finally come to a boil. Cooper finds Jacques Renault, and after a very revealing conversation, he tricks him into leaving One-Eyed Jacks. He arrests Jacques and puts him in the hospital, where a distraught Leland suffocates Jacques to death. Meanwhile, James and Donna find another one of Laura's tapes to Jacoby, where she mentions a mysterious man in a red Corvette that she was meeting one night. James is caught with cocaine in the policeman's office. Nadine is found presumably dead in her own home. Lucy's pregnant. Audrey's plan goes very poorly. Hank burns down the sawmill, and he shoots Leo before he can get his final revenge on Bobby. Tired from a long day, Cooper heads back to the Great Northern to rest, but someone knocks on his door. He opens it up, and he's shot three times by a mysterious assailant as we conclude Twin Peaks Season 1. Shot through a wormhole. wormhole. <laughs> that was 52 seconds, by the way. I did my best. Uh, it was a great song. Thank you. I, he uses it so rarely because so few of the things I do are worthy of applause that I forgot that it's all happening. I'm so not funny that I forgot that John had a laugh track on his soundboard also. I make so few singers that I forgot that he had a rim shot. <laughs> uh, the, the soundboard, the soundboard really there. has become the third character, even on the no guest episodes of Peaks Chats. Um, anyways, hi, everybody. We're here to talk about the season finale of Twin Peaks. Yeah. It's called The Last Evening. It's uh, episode seven officially and episode eight if you include the, the 90 minute pilot. And Majon, I want to come out the gate and ask you, yeah. what did you think of The Last Evening? We talked a bit last week with Michelle and Arthur about the relationship between Twin Peaks and the soap opera genre. And I think that there's more to be unpacked there um, and maybe looked into in terms of how people talked about it at the time or how people talk about it in retrospect. Uh, but this episode really felt like it was doing the soap opera stuff without any of the commentary. Like mm -hmm. it's to the point this episode was very much about plot, right? And yeah. sort of tying a bow on on different things going on with the characters over the course of the season. Um, and in a way, it also kind of felt like a modern prestige drama show um, in, in a few different ways, I think. In the way that it is wrapping up most of the plots, but giving you a couple threads to be like, okay, this is where we're going next season in the way that it was filmed mm -hmm. there there was a lot more like tight camera work and lower angles i don't know so it it felt like an oddly grounded episode and i think it engaged me for that reason because those are techniques that just work at getting the audience to pay attention like oh okay you're giving me answers you're telling me that this stuff matters and, and it relates to the plot and all that but when i look back on the episode and think about it holistically eh. <laughs> yeah like <laughs> it was good it's complicated because like so 
we're going to talk after we discuss the episode about our overall thoughts on the season. And, uh, you know, this episode really solidified what I felt about this whole season, which is that it's sort of set up for Twin Peaks, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, we can get more into that. But just in terms of this one, I think it is evident how much Mark Frost is starting to influence the show. And obviously, he has a writer and and, uh, directing credits on this episode. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the camera work and a lot of the the pacing feels like a Hill Street Blues, honestly, which he worked on. which is a show that no, like famously popularized the sort of serialized uh, week-to-week storytelling uh, murder mystery stuff. Um, and so it just it really felt like I was watching like a 90s uh, murder mystery soap opera. And I was. Like mm-hmm. I was um, we j- after this episode, I switched discs on my Twin Peaks Blu-ray set. So I was like, oh, what special features are on disc two before I move off of it? And there were some promos that are all voiced by uh, the woman who plays Lucy being like today i think we talked about this on a previous episode but it's like oh today on twin peaks like cooper is gonna get his hair in a weird position and have a dream yeah they're really great i I, I recommend if you like kenny robertson i recommend you find those um i keep forgetting to say this by the way but i was first introduced to her through uhf the weird al movie and she's awesome in that movie i think she's fantastic one of your favorite childhood movies by the way yeah (laughs) one of my favorite movies of all time classic yep sorry that's a reference to a video that we cut out um but yeah, anyway, this thing about her doing promo sounds really hilarious. She's just, yeah, really charming. There is a hilarious moment in one of them, by the way, I need to point out, uh, where Cooper does some of the promos as well, or, you know, Kyle MacLachlan does them. And he's like, uh, oh, Truman and I are both into Oriental philosophy, and or like, the, or like Oriental culture or something. And Ooh. it cuts from him throwing the rock at the bottle to... Truman kissing Josie. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, they get it." But also, like, do they get it? <laughs> it was really wild. They're funny. They're they're. It's like you get to see the old ABC logo and stuff, and it's just like, "Oh, these are crusty." Um, I can show you them sometime if you want. But uh, no, in terms of this episode, yeah, this is not like the supernatural Twin Peaks. This is the sad murder mystery investigation by the book plot twists reveals things burning down lots of people getting shot what's going to happen next time tune in you know um it's workmanlike i think is how i would describe the last evening um it's just so weird it's so weird that we're in episode seven of this like four to thirty something episode series Mm-hmm. And, and it's trying to like frame it as if like we're almost done. It's like dog. It just I, I know we're not. Like I just look at the episode list and I'm like, what is this? The setup. The season ends up being paced really strangely as a result of that. Like the fact that we and if you think about it, a lot of the sort of mystical stuff that the show is known for and famous for is front loaded pretty early in the season. Uh, we haven't really gotten anything in the past few episodes at least visually um, that has been on the level of the red room and all of that stuff. Yeah. Maybe we talked to the log lady or something like that, but it, it I, I'm just fascinated by what we're uncovering as we're talking to like friends of ours coming onto the show and then being like, yeah, I didn't really watch season two or I watched parts of it or whatever to think about how so much of the kind of like, like, what if this uh, was all of Twin Peaks for you? Right. Right. Because really, a lot of the, like, cultural footprint of the show and, like, the references 
are just from episode three. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and then so much of the show is this is this um, serialized. Okay, here's the plot. Here's this plot. This happens. Here's a twist. Uh, here's the mystery beat by beat kind of stuff. That's a big share of the show. And so in rewatching this episode, um, I was carried through it and entertained, but also it didn't really have the, the stuff that I wanted to rewatch the show to, to watch, you know? Yeah. It starts making me question what is it that I wanted to rewatch? Because like we, we've discussed in our spoiler zone segments, like, seeing hints of things come by later but i have a feeling that this one's gonna be fairly short unless we just freeball it because like this is all kind of self-contained in, in this episode like i mean there's plenty of like you know uh mm. cliffhangers but most of them are like resolved in the first episode of season two like we're just and you know that if you watch soap operas i don't even think that's like revealing anything it's just like yeah. you 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 shoot the gun and then you immediately reveal who shot it three months later in one mm. episode and we're done with that yeah. Uh, it makes me glad that we're not doing like a realistic time frame where we're having to stop the way that they are. Um, it actually also reminds me of another one of Mark Frost's classic films, which is Fantastic Four: Rise of a Silver Surfer. No, <laughs> <laughs> I just always forget that he did story credits on that, and I need to, I feel obligated as a citizen to remind my friends and folks of that. Oh man, Mark Frost co-wrote Fantastic Four: Rise of a Silver Surfer. Leave, leave him alone. <laughs> leave be, the guy. Alone. Be leave nice to Mark. Alone. He's collecting checks. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> Um, but let's talk about the episode, yeah? Let's uh, discuss sure. our investigation team, as I've started calling them in my notes. That's Donna, James, and uh, Maddie. They, yeah, they're, they're kind of a Scooby gang of sorts. In a way. Donna's got a cool hat. We've talked about the hat. I love it. It's one of the best Donna fashion things so far, other than that like weird jersey-socks combo. <laughs> um, yeah, so Jacoby is uh, led out of uh, his house by uh, Maddie Dresses Laura, um, you had made a, a point that he doesn't actually go to the place that she told him to go to. Yeah, I, I think it's something that I didn't completely click for me. Um, because it doesn't, it, it, this doesn't really make sense. So Donna and James go to Jacoby's office and they tell Maddie, like, wait for us here. And I guess the here is is the park and the gazebo because they can't all fit on James's motorcycle. And so that Jacoby sees the gazebo in the background of the video that they shot. So he knows to go there instead of the random place uh, that they told him to go to. But I don't know. It's just another example of like Audrey calling herself Hester Prynne. Like these kids don't <laughs> know. I think they're really to, smart. Yeah. They don't know how to do this stuff because why would they? Um, but yeah. So Jacoby ends up seeing Maddie dressed as Laura and is convinced that it's her. And then he's attacked from behind by a mysterious assailant and, and has a, a heart attack. Uh, is the implication that the assailant here is the same one who shoots Cooper? Like we just have this new person who's like coming around bonking people and shooting people and like nudging the plot as like an agent of chaos in this uh, town. Yeah, I don't know, because... Every other time that somebody does something, like when, by the way, we're assuming you've watched the episode, <laughs> like when Hank yeah, we have shoots, to assume you've watched at least this one, yeah. Like when Hank shoots Leo, um, 
we literally the camera looks up and it's like look hank did it just so you know <laughs> but the two cases where we don't know who did it are yeah when someone or when uh when leland suffocates jacques renault in the hospital the camera's like look it's leland oh my god um don't debate don't doubt who it is don't theorize <laughs> but yeah here and when someone shoots agent cooper at the end of the episode we don't know who that is um so that's clearly meant to raise a question. I don't, I don't remember who does this. I don't really, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. It it seemed like they stopped for one of two reasons. They either stopped because they saw Maddie and Donna and James, or they stopped because they saw that it was Dr. Jacoby and they were like, Oh, whoops. I didn't want to attack this guy. And I couldn't tell which. The assailant, you mean? Yes. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't tell which either. I just like really blocked out so much of that plot. Um, I mean, I I I do enjoy uh the the actor who plays Jacoby a lot, uh, Russ Hamlin. Um, mm-hmm. and like I, I I enjoy him and his whole like m- desire to find out what's going on with this Laura clone, whatever. But the assailant stuff is just like it feels like narrative, like kicking the can, basically. Of like, we don't need to actually solve this right now. We're just going to present a person in a cloak who's like not even gender specific. And uh, that's just, you know, classic procedural technique. You you have someone shoot a gun. They wear a black uh, jacket and a duster or whatever. Uh, Not a duster, like a hat. And then you're like, okay, now I don't have to know who that is. They can just pull that off and it can be literally anyone on the cast. Um, I think something to to Mm -hmm. acknowledge. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and you have to forgive that to a certain extent because, like, that's the business of television. But oh, yeah. it's, it's just, yeah, one of those unfortunate things that, like, the medium bears its weight upon the art. Like, if someone was just making a story for the sake of a story, they probably wouldn't do something, like, cheap like that. But because there's this sort of intersection with commerce where it's like, hey, we got to make sure people tune in in September – for season two, they've got to do a bunch of, oh my God, who attacked Jacoby? Who shot Agent Cooper? What's going to happen with this kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because you get that. And then you also get Jock like spilling his guts later. Like, we'll talk about that whole thing. But mm. like, sometimes people have to be asked questions in the show and just answer flatly and accurately because the, the, the plot cannot literally not sustain more suspense across the board like at some point you have to reveal some of that um it's an interesting game they're playing here and and it's also like part of the you're sort of developing an expectation with the audience where you're saying hey we'll answer questions look here's one here's an answer yeah jock did he wasn't involved and and leo was there isn't it fascinating by the way that at this point in the series they really want us to think it was Leo. It's like, it seems done and enclosed. Well, that Leo. Well, yeah, right. Well, because they say that the, he was that he, we know that he was there and we know that he was, um, you know, involved with, with a jock and the bird and all that stuff. And was like, he was physically there. Um, and he gets, but he's not the one who gets arrested though. He gets shot. It's yeah, jock that gets arrested. Jock's arrested. Well, and the other thing, just going back to Donna and James and Maddie mm. is they find the tape, they play the tape. By the way, they find the tape in the coconut, <laughs> which, you know, this is Charlie asked in our second episode of, you know, for us to keep an eye on the coconut motif. And here it is. A little coconut. 
Madonna finding it. James. What's up? Laura said something on her tape about a coconut. Oh my god, the necklace. Also, the music in that scene is like some freaking Majora's Mask ass dungeon music. Uh, yeah. And it's awesome. It's really cool. Like you just open a door and you're like, oh, I'm in a new dungeon area now. So they find the tape in the coconut, they play the tape, and uh, it's that tape that we heard a few episodes back where Laura's saying, oh, James is so sweet, I'm going to go meet the mysterious man in the woods tonight, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And The man in the red Corvette, which is Leo. Right, that's what I was going to say, is that's another piece of evidence that seems to suggest that something's going on with Leo Johnson. The boy's sus, you can't trust anybody in a ponytail, why would Leo kill Laura? Uh, probably because she owed a bunch of money. It's probably that simple. Um, yeah. Speaking of money, gambling is happening over in One Eye Jack's world. Can we? Sorry, before we leave the the teen investigation squad, I just gotta put in a round of defense for my boy James here. I thought that the <laughs> actor did a fantastic job in this scene, uh, where he's sort of going off to the side and. And he's in pain listening to the tape, but he's going to listen to it this time. And he's reacting. That's acting right there, E. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, let's let's lay off my man James, okay? He's he's doing fine. He's doing he's doing his best. I'll say. How about that? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a good. I thought he did a good job. It, I agree. I agree. Sorry, no, I ga- did like gambling. He said gambling. Gambling, one-eyed jacks, one-eyed jocks? <laughs> Do you think that's intentional? Ben and Jerry. Ben and Jockey. Bobby Jackie. and Mike, one-eyed jacks. Blackie rhymes with Jackie. Jackie, jocks. Blackie O'Reilly's jocks' female counterpart. It's yeah. all there. I think the truth is out there. Um, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. One-eyed jacks is a beautiful den of sin and, and awfulness. Um, I really want to talk about Audrey. Because of how frustrated this plot made me. Um, Audrey's fully integrated as Hester Prynne into the One-Eyed Jacks ecosystem. She's dolled up in this incredible outfit, which is so... It's so weird. She's 18. I know it's supposed to be weird. It's still really weird. Can I just say that? <laughs> you, I see. Like... You know the show is trying to say that it's weird. You should. Even... I, the show is saying you should feel weird that Audrey Horn is in a like sex worker outfit. Whatever. I always this outfit actually. Rather, let's be accurate. Um, uh-huh. But it's still weird. It still feels like it's trying to ogle Sherilyn Fenn a little bit. I, I mean, it's like Princess Leia on Jabba's barge. Yeah. It's like, look, she's all chained up and she's in a freaking like bikini. Also. But what makes it so funny, the part where I'm like, because David Lynch never like when he does like, uh, you know, sexual violence stuff, uh, uh-huh. knows where to dial it in and dial it back and where to inject comedy to take away from the tension of it. You know that it's weird that she's wearing this. Of course, we're going to show a scene where right before her dad theoretically is going to come around the corner and see her, a woman is sewing a Jack playing card like Stitch into her dress or whatever yeah, into her outfit. Queen. I think it's a queen. It's a queen. Yeah, because she's yeah. a queen. Um, just like all women, Jerry. Um, 
<laughs> I just love watching the woman sew a card into her, which is just it's like, hey, did you get it? Cards, girls, did you are you did you get it? Like <laughs> the show just hitting you over the head with like, put these two things together. Cards, girl. Um and yeah, Ben Horn is signing the Ghostwood Estate uh contract with the Icelandic man. Um and that's where we got the part at the beginning where there's a lot of like funny awkwardness in this episode like the no 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 after you after me thing uh-huh. um which is just two, two two lascivious men having fun and then um he gives the iceland guy like a bunch of chips which i thought was funny because it's like yeah here's chips for you to, like i'm buying in for you uh-huh. um but really it's like i'm just giving you money to then burn <laughs> to give back to my casino <laughs> like <laughs> right yeah that's a good i'm giving you money that you can give back to me that's a good point yeah i thought that was i i was like remarking my head like wait actually give it like giving him chips on a silver platter is basically being like give this back to me <laughs> i'm gonna give you five <laughs> bucks so that you can pay me yeah, um that's true and then he like gets up and he's like let's celebrate we're gonna go see the new girl and he turns the corner and <gasps> audrey's there and she sees him oh no What's yeah. she going to do? We'll find out next season. Right. I just hate that. This doesn't feel like a plot that should be like suspended for a whole season. Or for a break, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Because this Cause... is really a like, you're going to answer this in five minutes. Right. Because if you're not going to answer it in five minutes, what you're telling me is that you're about to tell a deeply, deeply disturbing story. And I don't know that I'm on board to come back for season two to flick on the TV and like watch the extended version of this scene. Yeah. So if you're going to like resolve this, just resolve it now. It, it, yeah, it seems like a very poorly chosen cliffhanger. Oh, I, I think that the final scene is a good cliffhanger. It's an example of a classic cliffhanger. And like the Leland Jock thing is is pretty good too. It's like, oh, where's that gonna go? But I don't like. I don't feel like I only needed ten more seconds of it. This I literally think if we just got ten more seconds, we would have had our answer and been fine. That's why it's annoying, you know? Right, because Audrey... Cooper's Cooper getting shot is not something you'll solve in two in the next five minutes real time. Right. Audrey will determine if it's her dad or not, and will see him or not in five minutes time. She did, and she did see him in the. And she mirror. did see him. She knows it's her dad, so. He's going to open his eyes and be like, oh, uh oh, okay. Hello. Huh. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's really just there because they want to end the season with us being like, Audrey's in danger. Oh, no. Cooper needs to save her, but he's been shot. How is he going to save Audrey? That's a good point. I always forget that the show still wants me to put those two nasty people together. Yeah. Um, but while we're still in One-Eyed Jacks, uh, we get a little bit more of Jacques Renault. Um, mm-hmm. I forgot how much this like key central villain of the show uh, just is a plot, narr- like a device spouting machine. He's just yes. like, yeah. It, it's so, uh, it makes him seem so ignorant to where Cooper's literally, when they're in the hospital later, is like, yeah, he's so stupid. I don't suspect that he's lying. <laughs> like, come on. He, uh, Cooper comes up to him at the, at the, the poker table or whatever the chips and he's like um you know i'm the money guy that works with leo and i'm your he's your middleman to me and i'm the guy he basically says like i'm the boss that you've that you've actually been like giving doing work for then you don't know me why does jock believe this i truly don't know and i don't know why he didn't like suspect this it's not the best um secret in the world 
I mean, Cooper Cooper sells it pretty well. This is him trying to convince Jacques of it. it Laura. Laura. Him about the <laughs> Take it easy. Take it easy. How do you think a low-rent hump like Leo's been financing this little operation? You. I'm the bank. I'm mm, the bank. I'm the bank. And Jacques Renault is the kind of guy that when you flash $10,000 in front of his face, he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he turns into a hungry dog. He just snatches the money and before... And while he's counting it, he's like, so, uh, yeah, what's the job? <laughs> what do you before, want me to do? Yeah, money before the job. I guess that makes sense. But it's, it's yeah, he's very uh, easy to, pretty easy to fool here. Um, yeah. And Cooper's like, I'm going to make you do a job in two hours, maybe by this place. And a bingo bango, we go there. The police are there. Uh, he's apprehended. Um, Truman turns away. And then Jacques tries to, like, uh, break free of his cuffs or whatever and pulls a cop's gun. Why is this so easy? Why are these cops wildly incompetent? This isn't how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, competent cop of the year, Andy, <laughs> decides that it's time to take charge and use that that gunsmanship training that he uh, he practiced to good use as he shoots Jacques, Jacques in the shoulder, makes him drop the gun, and, and saves the day. He saved Truman's life. Yeah, I wrote in my notes, Andy's an incredible shot now. And then I wrote, we stand a cop who's good at shooting hold on (laughs) wait a minute is this that copaganda i've heard so much about Uh, yeah exactly it's it it definitely leans especially later when when hawk and trimmer are like yeah and then you shot him and he's like yeah (laughs) papoom like it it reenacts it yeah and and (laughs) lucy clearly is like ooh. Oh, oh I'm a li- little slightly turned on to, to the point where she starts walking away while she's watering the plants and doesn't pick up the watering pail. Yeah. Away and like waters the floor for a bit. The floor needed water too. It's thirsty. Yeah. 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 No, that's true. Um, uh, before we get off of Jacques, there's this moment where Cooper says, by the way, what, how did this poker chip get, get broken? Oh, because yeah. part of it was found on Laura's body. And, um, I, I'm curious what you thought about about this moment because there are a couple shots in this episode where Mark Frost makes a point to like really focus your attention on something. So like when Jacoby's on the ground, he zooms into Jacoby's eye and then it crossfades to the roulette table. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here, when Jacques Renault answers the question, it zooms really tight in on his mouth and kind of slows down. It sounds like this. One more question, Chuck. You know, Leo told me all about that night at the cabin with the girls. I'm curious about the chip. How'd that happen? <laughs> it was that crazy bird. Bird? You had a thing for Laura saying her name all the time. Like he's in love or something. So we're all partying. Girls are all getting pretty high. Everybody's pretty crazy. You, Laura, and Ronette. It's Waldo out of the cage, and the birdie lands on her shoulder. <laughs> Laura, she's all tied up. Oh, she like that. But the birdie starts picking on her shoulder, picking like love picks or something. You know what I mean? So Leo, he's doing a number on her, but Laura, she's screaming about the damn bird. So Leo takes out a chip, puts it in her mouth, and says. Bite the bullet, baby. Bite the bullet. 
That's the only time, by the way, that uh, Jacques Renault sounds French Canadian. When it's exactly when he says bite the bullet and no other time. Right, right, right. What what did what uh, what's up with that moment? Well, so I think Jacques uh views that inciting moment as like another day in the life of like a scumbag, right? He's he's fully ingrained in that world. And so yeah. my first question was like, why would he give all that info up to to someone who just is like, I'm just curious like it's like he's Columbo or something, and Kubrick was like, just one more thing. Mm-hmm. Who was there exactly? Well, Ronette Pul- like the fact that he name drops Ronette Pulaski, like why would the guy who runs, who's the quote unquote the bank for your job, know who Ronette Pulaski is? Like, why? Mm-hmm. You don't think that's weird at all? I kept like expecting Jock to like hit a button or something and kick this guy out. Right. Um, so he's very comfortable talking about his evil once he knows that this person like is, or he suspects that this person is in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's proud of it. He's a disgusting human being and he's filthy and it, and it's uh, it's not something he's trying to hide or, or like bury deep. Uh, he's very easy to crack unlike so many people on the show his darkness like just is on the surface um that's why it bums me out by the way that Jacques Renault is like a fat character because like yeah. it really does tie into the like evil people Walter Ol- Olkovich is the actor who plays him um it really just ties into that whole like you know sin gluttony fat people are kind of evil thing that I that fat phobia that I just am not a big fan of Sure. Uh, but I also don't come to different peaks for like incredible diverse representation and like accurate <laughs> portrayals of bad people. But yeah, um, true. I think they're also trying to show that like the evil comes in different forms, different, different, literally different shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that he's like, like we zoom in on his lips in that scene, mm-hmm. which is very much like, look at this gross fat, look at his chins kind of thing. And that's just that part makes me feel really yucky. Yeah. Um. But it's a useful scene. It's a scene you have to have where he's like, yeah, here's exactly what happened. Don't question this anymore. Leah was there. He put the chip in her mouth. He's a bad person. Right. I guess it's meant partly to be a moment for Cooper of like, I got him. Like, this is this is what yeah. clinched it for me. This is how Cooper wins. <laughs> yeah. I'm imagining Kyle McLaughlin in Uncut Gems 2 and I'm my brain is going places. Oh man, he he would be great. <laughs> spec yeah. script it, spec script it. We have writers who listen to the show. We know you can do it. <laughs> um, Try the whole movie. Can we can we do the Andy Lucy plot real quick? Whoa. What Andy Lucy plot? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I you know, I put big it, plot. I put it in the outline for a reason. Go ahead. Yeah. So first yeah. of all, we're reminded of it by this conversation with Harry and, and Andy before the Andy shoots mm. Jacques. Where they say this. Yeah. Is Lucy talking to you yet? As we say in the law enforcement game, it's a cold trail. (laughs) Ah, women. (laughs) Oh, man. Incredible. I I love it. I love... I love it. I mean, those two characters don't, like, individually talk that often. Andy and uh, and Sheriff Truman. And Truman, yeah, yeah, but they play off each other so well. Super duper well, yeah. As we say in the law enforcement game, it's a cold trail. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> cool. Uh, so good. So Andy's all you know high on his hero moment, and Lucy's feeling it too. It, it seems like so she goes into the coffee annex to make coffee, 
and Andy, <laughs> egged on by the boys, closes the divider and, uh, you know, <laughs> takes her by the shoulders and, and they have a tender makeout moment. And then they say this. Oh, Andy. Oh, punky. I'm pregnant. And then I, I preserved this long silence because I like Thank what you. she says later. But there's a very awkward... This is Andy leaving the room now. Uh-oh. That's Ed. Fresh coffee. I thought that was funny because she's calling them fresh. Oh, I thought it was just her being weird. I think she was trying to say, like, you guys, like, you're being all fresh and nosy. And, okay, okay. Or she's just mad. Um, but, yeah, Lucy's pregnant, so that explains the doctor calling. And uh, that's the plot that's going to get me coming back for season two. Heck, Figure yeah, baby. What's going on there? I love the implication. Like, it's so it's so disappointing that the best, like, Andy and Lucy being a couple stuff happened in the international pilot. <laughs> it's a cut scene in the <laughs> international pilot mm-hmm. where he's playing the, the, the trumpet and she's playing racquetball or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see them hanging out. I want them. I want more of their plot. And I know we're going to get that um, yeah. for a lot for a while to come. So it makes me happy to see them. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you? Uh, I'll, I'll save it. I'll punt it. I'll punt it. Spoiler zone question yeah, about spoiler it. Zone. Yeah. Spoiler Andy and Lucy. Okay, great. Great, mm-hmm. great, great. Um, so the mill plot, it's time. I'm not putting it at the end because I know people fall asleep when we talk about the mill plot at the end. It's time to talk <laughs> about the mill plot. So to be brief, uh, Hank is involved in almost all of the plots of this episode. He uh, has an incredible scene. One of the better Hank scenes, actually. Not to say that he's like okay, okay, a, a good character, but um, he has a, a conversation with Josie uh, where he says that you know she they had a deal that she would give him ninety thousand dollars to burn down the mill, um, and that would be the end of their work together. And it, that's what they agreed on before he went to prison. He said basically gives her this whole speech about like life means something to you and the amount of money changes depending on how much life you have left if you had your whole life ahead of you ninety thousand is not that bad mm-hmm. you'll earn more of it but i i might i might die tomorrow and so i need more than that we had a deal she says over and over again she's very much holding her ground here and not and being like kind of firm with him and then he goes full-on sicko mode and cuts her finger cuts her thumb open cuts his yeah. thumb open touches the blood together they have a blood pack and he says partners and so now they have a blood pack together and she's going to work with him more. And also it's implied in this scene that he uh, maybe is responsible for Andrew's Martell's uh, death involving a boat. And that she paid Orchestrated him it. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. This is her paying him for doing that right now. Uh, oh, that's what this 90,000 is. Yeah. It's not for burning down the mill. Okay. Oh no, because Ben no. is Ben is ben, the one. Ben is ru- running the burn down the mill stuff. Look at us getting into the mill plot. I'm so happy about this. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, this is a genuine twist with Josie that I think works mm-hmm. um, because we're sort of evolving this very looking from the outside. Oh, she's such a sweet, innocent, uh, you know, person from another place. She doesn't understand the evils of Twin Peaks, but like, no, she, she knows. Uh, hired a guy to kill her husband so she could take over the business. So she's as she, she's she as knows. ruthless. Yep. 
Uh, and uh, this episode really, you know, it it wants us to flip our sympathies, I think, between Josie and, and Catherine to a certain extent. Big time. Well, so there's like parallels here being done uh, with the two of them and also like the, um, husbands in general, like the bad husband and the good husband. Because we know that like Hank, in his attempts to appeal to Norma, just sounds like a bad person. He sounds like someone, a red flag walking around. You shouldn't mm-hmm. trust this person. He's talking to Norma in the diner about like, uh, you know, all the time in there made me miss you a lot. And uh, you're going to give me another chance. Dang it. And he's he's the bad husband. But then you have Catherine, who is emotionally manipulating her poor, sweet, innocent, did nothing wrong husband, Pete Martell. Mm-hmm. Um, tell, and it's almost I almost fell for it. I was really bummed to know this to realize is, this is the moment where. Yeah. Somewhere under all that scar tissue, there's the faintest flicker of what we used to feel for each other. I'm asking you to feel that now. Why? Exactly. Because I'm in trouble. And given what I've become and the way I've treated people, there's no one else I can turn to. I need your help. and then yeah they they turn and suddenly you see her face and she's like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah pat you on the back okay it's funny that that's some of the great the best acting that she's done so far and then also (laughs) in the scene where the mill is burning around them and she finds shelly tied up she's like i have that line it's so funny I can't understand a word you're saying. You have a thing in your mouth. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You have a thing in your mouth. Can we get one more take on that? Uh, no? All right. I can't understand a word you're saying. You have a thing in your mouth. You know what it reminds me of? What? Uh, oh, my God. What show did we watch for chats that had like a weirdly long line like that? Oh, God. Was it Studio 60 or something? Probably. We had like a clip where it was like, uh, oh shoot, I can't remember it. We've had, we've, we've laughed. I love moments like this where the actor just like gets a huge block. I understand how hard it is. You get a huge block of text and it's like, read this whole thing. And you're like, I don't know where the pause goes. <laughs> it's just, she, well, she's like, dude, I thought she did a good job with it. What do you mean? I'm confused. It feels like she's being given a lot to say and it doesn't like take a breath there. It's more what I'm saying. The performance is okay. It's good. Yeah, I'm well, I more think si- that's the point. Is she's just like you have a thing in your mouth. Whatever. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, it just felt a little bit wordy to me. But that's like my you know script economy brain speaking. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's that scene is uh definitely not as like dramatic as it should be. Um, no. Shelly is tied up by Leo, who finds out that she's been doing things with Bobby. So he puts a gag in her mouth, and then Catherine removes it and gets her out. I like that the explode the fire started on like an egg timer that Leo put. I thought it was going to be a bomb for some reason, but it's as simple as like this egg timer tilts the thing over, and then it lights on fire, and we're in a sawmill, so everything burns very easily. Mm-hmm. And there was like gas cans everywhere too that I think he left out. I I had two big issues with all of this. I think the first was having Shelly here just felt very much woman tied up on the train tracks, like yeah, to the point of this is a little ridiculous. I'm going to die. Oh God. Yeah. 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 Um, and 
The other issue I had with it was it didn't make any sense for Catherine to go there because she's literally been talking to Ben <laughs> about how they're going to burn down the mill. And she's like, burn down the mill with me, baby. And he's like, we will. We will burn down the mill. And then she gets a mysterious call from someone who's mill. like, hey, go to the mill. And she's like, who are okay. you? And he's like, go to the mill. And she's like, yeah, all right. That's all good. Right. I guess I'll go to the mill. Dude, people fall for these in this episode. This is, again, like narrative shoving, I guess is what you could call it. It's and like she when... also met with that uh, insurance guy the day before. <laughs> he was like, hey, someone's trying to kill you. Someone, you're signing your life away so that someone else can get a lot of money. And she's like, okay. <laughs> It's it. It's the, it's as funny as the share as Lucy falling for Bobby doing a Leo impression on the phone. Yes. Hey, hey, what's going on? Uh, it's me, I'm, Leo. It's it's, <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> it's very silly. Um, but Leo is shot once again. Uh, he finds Bobby. He comes at him with an axe, and you think he's gonna like it. Literally frames it like he's gonna cut the TV in half with an axe. He's gonna like kill Bobby, or Bobby's gonna dodge, and the TV's gonna like get sliced in half. Yeah. But before he can even swing it, uh, another, at first mysterious, and then two seconds later, they're like, it's Hank, uh, assailant. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is, one's Hank. This one's Hank. Don't worry about it. Don't question it. Don't theorize. <laughs> it's Hank. Uh, Hank shoots Leo, uh, presumably for getting in on his business and also messing up plans for things. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Is Leo dead? Who could say? <laughs> Literally, we could say, but we will not. Yeah, uh, spoilers on, spoilers on, yeah spoilers. come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Nadine? Oh porn Nadine. It's time oh for Porn Nadine talk, guys. Play the Porn Nadine music. This was a lot. I'm sure it's excited. I know exactly what song I'm going to use, actually. Um, welcome to Porn Dean Time. Uh, she, as we saw last week, uh, has not been able to sell her patent for the silent drape runners and is now in complete despair. She is in like an old dress that she wore as a teenager and she's sitting on the ground in front of the TV and she's cin- preparing the, but, a bunch of pills. Yeah. The cinematography of this scene right before it gets to that moment is so strange because it's these Mm. shots that are like, you know, fading into each other and the camera's like swooping past her. And I wrote in my notes that it was the cinematography of like a nineties R and B video. Yeah. I definitely feel that. Yeah. And then she dumps all of the pills into the bowl. And I was like, Whoa, okay. Whoa. Heavy. We're doing this. This is a lot. Twin peaks. It's exactly it's the it's the dramatic shifts and like Ed coming back to her is what really affected me. I thought she thought his performance there was really good. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, come on. And I mean, it's it's not the hardest thing in the world to like act when somebody in your hands is dying. But it's a it's a big, you know, everybody will bring it there. Um, it's just a it's sad. And it's kind of the natural like presumption of where this was going to go was like, if this doesn't get fixed, then like no one's talking about ID. No one's helping her. She doesn't have the community that everyone else does. She's being left out of everyone else's plots. And when you're in a, in a soap opera like this, that's what happens. Uh-huh. Uh, is you either get killed or you do, you you know, give up, unfortunately, or, or, or feel a sense of despair and hopelessness. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really, bu- I was really bummed to, to be reminded of that. But um, yeah, the Nadine stuff definitely has like affected me a lot more on this rewatch. Yeah. And 
Yeah, well, Leland, um, briefly, there's a really, like, well-edited or directed scene here uh, in the police station where, like, everybody's doing everything at once. It's, like, the intersection of all of the different plot threads, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, James is being brought in, and they're like, he's like, Detective Co- uh, or Truman, I have to talk to you. And he's like, go talk to Cooper. All right, Truman, you go do this. Like, everyone's basically assigned to duty. It's very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Leland walks in at the last minute, and he's like, I'm in the show too, guys. And, and the, the scene doesn't establish him entering at all. The camera just turns, and he's right there. <laughs> and Doc Hayward's like, oh, Leland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I loved, I love Doc Hayward being like, dude, your wife, dude. Your wife, you still, you keep doing this thing where you go out at night and try to join the story, but you're not with your wife who is still grieving your dead daughter for the love of God, Leland. Mm -hmm. And um, he's like, can you guys tell me who killed her? And they're like, we're not at liberty to discuss that. He finds out effortlessly that it's in the, the person's in the hospital um, and finds Jock in the hospital and later on in the episode uh, suffocates him uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest eye with a pillow. Wow. Leland, what the hell, you nasty man? Why'd you kill Jacques? You think he killed your daughter, you freaking nasty man? I want to see Leo and uh, Leo and Leland fight, the two L's. First, screw all these J guys. I want to see the two L's fight. <laughs> oh, That's what the L word is about. We, uh, by the way, we learned what the J was, because there's a close-up shot of the flickering neon J of the Jack of one Yeah. So thanks, Mark Frost, for answering the question. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. um yes very much appreciated and uh all this crazy stuff happens pete uh goes in to rescue his wife um like an absolute badass kicks the door open they have to this kick is, the door because this is it's like what a pete lot. says by the way she's still my wife jack nance jack nance just you know Kills it yeah, it's it fun seeing all the different like mill workers and their outfits and stuff. I was like, oh, people work here. I forgot. This isn't oh, just a place mill. where fraud happens. <laughs> right. The mill plot <laughs> means that there is inherently a mill. <laughs> yeah. It's A plus B equals mill. Um, but yeah, all this stuff is happening. Cooper is like, I just want to go to bed, guys. We had a crazy day. We shot people. I caught a criminal. We found Laura's killer. Wrap it up for the season. Take it home. Get me. He's like talking to Diane. Like, I'm going to get some warm milk and, and kick it. Um. The phone rings. It's Andy. He pulled when he drops the phone later. It's Andy being like, "Oh, we found Leo. He's been shot," and opens the door and a, mis- and a mysterious assailant uh, claps my dude three times in the t- in the tummy. Hashtag who shot Agent Cooper? That's the hashtag for this episode of Peaks Chats, baby. Yeah. Can you can you tell us who shot Agent Cooper? And neither can I. Uh, <laughs> it really no, actually- sucked when it, when season two replaced Tom uh, McLaughlin with uh, Gilbert Gottfried. It was funny for a while. It was yeah. funny for a while, for sure. Like, there's a great moment where him and like that the um his like father comes onto the show. I think for a while. Yeah. And uh, they like have a heart to heart, but it's just him being like, "And when you loved me, <laughs> I knew it was real." Uh, that's Truman. Give yourself a gift every day. <laughs> My God, Gilbert Godfrey talking to David Lynch. Let's go. <laughs> Coop. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, that's been peak season one, baby. Do you have any straight notes on it? Yeah, you wanna? Yeah. We want spoilers. We put spoilers on the end, and we're gonna talk about the show at the end here. What we do you have ta- to say about the show? 
I want to talk briefly about season one a little bit more about my thoughts on the season. Yeah, sure. I mentioned it a bit at the beginning, but I really want to dig into this idea that season one is like a prequel to Twin Peaks. Um, because... <laughs> I disagree. Sorry, go ahead. Fire, Fire Walk With Me is technically a prequel to Twin Peaks, but we'll get there. Um, a lot... Not that much stuff happens in this season! But also, so much happens in this season, I'm conflicted. Ah. It's like there's all of this murder plot and we have like uh-huh. the murder potentially solved and our main character gets shot. It but it feels like act 1. Like it just feels like we're not even close to like all these plots are not terminated. They're not finished. So it's yeah, it's a complete product and it's the beginning of a serialized story, but it doesn't feel like the first half of one or like the first two thirds. It's the first third. And I know it literally is, but like what, what it what if you just watched this though? I would feel very unsatisfied. Would you? Like if you didn't know, like try to remove your perspective. Okay. On season two, Firewalk with me, the return. If you just watched these eight episodes and someone was like, okay, that's where the show ends. I wouldn't get the hype. That's what it is. I would say this is a really but good. All, but all this... of the hype comes from like uh the gum you like is coming back in style no i disagree hype no i disagree i think a lot of the coolest stuff in twin peaks is yet to come the most memorable and like thought-provoking stuff is absolutely yet to come between season two by rock of the and three we have so much more do you think i i understand that but what i'm saying is like in the general conversation about twin peaks we've hit a lot of the things that people talk about, yes. right? Yeah. And like what you could say is great about Twin Peaks, we've definitely experienced. Mm-hmm. The vibe of it, the characters, the acting, um, the sort of bizarre Lynchian stuff. You've gotten a taste of what Twin Peaks is. There's like cooler moments later, but like... Do you do you need the stuff later to like understand what Twin Peaks is all about? I think you do. I personally think you do. And I'm and I agree. If I if I remove myself from that, I would say, okay, this is a really I just don't I don't there's not enough the, the like magic isn't here yet. This is a solid Mark Frost like police procedural with some lynch added on to the side the, as a little squirt. But the magic is here because it's In like one episode. But like that's the name me another thing that people like talk about a ton, like just very vaguely for me. That's like what you're talking about. Uh the unicorn. I don't even remember the unicorn. It's literally a Simpsons bit. They parody the <laughs> I unicorn. Remember, I remember the Simpsons bit. Because it, it's in Twin Peaks. <laughs> I'm like losing okay. my voice right now. This is awesome. <laughs> okay. I I mean, I, what I guess what I'm arguing is that what comes next is like more of this, and there's yeah. certain things like I think I think Fire Walk with Me is really important. Like if you haven't watched Fire Walk with Me, you haven't. I think you're missing something. Yeah. If you haven't watched season two, you're you gonna get more of, of this. You're going to get more of this is kind of what I'm saying. 
And you'll get like an answer to who killed Laura Palmer. Yeah, famously, they answer this like pretty early in season two, and then it keeps going. <laughs> like, but we I, don't I, need to. That's just guess, culturally known. Like, I guess I'm wondering what you're saying. If you're saying season one is a prequel to Twin Peaks, like, what to you is like the fundamental core of Twin Peaks, I guess? I guess that's, a, and I think that's a great question. And it's something to keep in mind for the rest of our discussions here. But it's the violence done towards women. It's the ways that violence can uh, be masked by things like quaintness, Americana, culture, friendliness, and then stuff like that. Uh, in a sense of like down uh, Northwestern like pride and, and and safety, a feeling of that warmth and, and what evil lies beneath that. Right. Um, like we, I guess we I'm asking, well, I guess we did get that though. Like we did get that. Yeah. But I, I yeah. So what I'm asking is like what, part of the of the work is the thing that this is prequeling you know what i mean the weird it's not weird enough it's not weird enough yet so are you talking about season three no even in season two i'm talking about the weirdness i i think season two in a big way is where see is where twin peaks figures out how it wants to be weird right now it's still debating if it even should be weird and season two is where it becomes confident that it's like, it's now time to be a weird show. For better and for worse. Yes, 100%. For much worse and for much better. <laughs> the yeah. high and highs, the low lows, they're all there. Okay. Uh, and like, we have a lot of show ahead of us. And we keep talking about like, where does season two fall in terms of like, what we enjoy about season one. Season one's incredibly strong. I think it's unfair to say like, season one's useless. I'm not trying to suggest that it's useless. I'm just saying that it's less of the overall picture of Twin Peaks that I have in my head than I remember it being. I hope that makes sense. Interesting. Because to me, it feels like almost completely the picture I have of Twin Peaks in my head, save for like two episodes, a couple episodes I can think of off the top of my head from season two and Firewalk with me. Yeah. Well, that's to me that 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 sounds like we're both going to get a lot out of the next couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm not saying let's not watch it. I'm yeah. just, <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying like it it's it's going to be interesting to me to watch it because when people talk about like the legacy of Twin Peaks and like Twin Peaks as a work, I feel like they're rarely speaking about it entirely holistically, right? Yeah, they're talking about season one and then the book good parts of season two. That's true. Yeah. They're talking and, about what, what most of the people that I've been guessed that on here have watched. Right. Yeah. And that's fine. That's Twin Peaks as well. I'm not here to gatekeep and be like, if you haven't watched The Return, you haven't. I, I know I've like suggested that as a joke. Like, I wish more people watched The Return. That's literally what the podcast is going to be, is I'm going to make everybody listening to this watch The Return with us. That's the point. But also, mm-hmm. this is great television. This is good TV you're watching. You you have to accept that, like, yeah, we're going to keep talking about like how it gets better and worse down the line, but you're currently in good TV land. <laughs> like, you're... And, like, TV that you're not going to get anywhere else. Like, Twin Peaks is already unique and fresh and has a good perspective on things and uh, no, seems to have a confidence of what it's trying to do mm-hmm. in seven episodes, which is really, really impressive to me. It takes most shows. I saw Emily Vanderwerver a long time ago made some post or uh, an article that was, like, she prefers to watch starting, sh- if she could, to, like, a s- start shows in their second season. Because the first season is always figuring, the quote unquote, figuring things out. And uh, the second is where you're like, I'm in it. Sure. 
Yeah. Uh, not saying like she skips the first season, but like she generally agrees that like it's usually good by season two. Yeah, that and, sounds right. And Twin Peaks is such an interesting version of that. It's so interesting because mm. it's like, okay, you figured it out. Is this what you want it to be? We'll find out, <laughs> I guess. Is because is this it? Uh-huh. My favorite Strokes album. Is this it? Um, is this it? I listened to is it recently. It? That's a it's, classic. It's really good. Yeah, it's one of the it's great, one, of my... one of the great no skips. Yes, I agree. It's just a very holistic album. Just like yeah. season one was very holistically good. I think. Um, I don't think there was any significant like drop in quality in this season. I think there were like a couple episodes where I was like, "Oh, we're settling. Oh, we're settling." But this, even the, at its lowest, this season is still excellent. Mm-hmm. Good television. One of my yeah. favorite shows of all time. Still to this day. Mm-hmm. Who killed Laura Palmer? I still don't know. It's probably Leo, though. Uh, do you have anything else? Nope. Let's All right. That spoiler zone. Okay. Okay. First, I can tell you what we're watching next week. Does that sound good? It does. So next week, we're just going to jump right into season two. We're watching the first and the second episode of that season. Could you find the titles? So the two episodes we're watching are season two, episode one, May the Giant Be With You, and season two, episode two, Coma. And I was going to read the IMDb summaries for both of them, but I will not. They're <laughs> all, it's chock full of spoilers. They're chock, uh, chock full of spoilers. Yeah. Both of them? Yeah. Dang. Well, by the way, folks, hi, this is Alan. Uh, we are actually only watching May the Giant Be With You next week. Because it's an hour and a half, and there's no way we can discuss an hour and a half of a season premiere and another episode in one podcast. So just may the giant be with you for next week, please, and thank you. <sighs> Catharsis. We can, and I get to watch this whole season on fucking Blu-ray. Let's go. Let's get there. <laughs> yeah. um, before we do, Magellan, can you give me the rundown of the plug zone, please? Sure. So if you would like to get in touch with the show, you have a couple of options. You can email us, chatspot at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash chatspot. You can DM us there as well if you would like. You can join a community of fellow listeners over at reddit.com slash chatspot, or you can do so by joining our Patreon and joining our Discord server where we also hang out and talk about stuff. Uh, And in any of those communication channels, if you would like to be on the show with us talking about a specific episode of season two, let us know. And we would love to have you. We have an open door policy here at Chats. We just uh, prefer no premieres and no finales. But otherwise, you know, come on, come on in and and, uh, and let's talk about season two. We're going to need some friends (laughs) to help us get through it. Please. If you like the show, please consider rating us on your podcast platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to stuff. Uh, That's your business, not mine. And then if you would like to support the show with money, you can do so at patreon.com slash chatspod. A dollar a month is your way of saying keep doing what you're doing, helping us to keep the lights on. $3 a month gets you access to our at least thrice monthly bonus content. And then $5 a month gets you some influence on what that content is and gets you thanked right here on the show. Our current $5 patrons are Kat, Marcus, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Fenden, Ryan, Six, and Stefan. Thank you folks for being $5 patrons. We love you very much. 
And then uh, we have a website over at chatspod.com. You can also find the podcast online at simplecast. What is it? Chatspod.simplecast.com. And then uh, go check out Camilla's work. She's the creator of our podcast logo. She's Camillastrator on various platforms. You can find the links in the show description. Uh, But yeah. That's all of our plugs. And we like to end our episodes by suggesting little chatsums, little snackums for you to snack on between now and next week. So, Alan, yes, sir. what is your chatsum for this week? Um, I still am listening to a lot of music. I'm so caught up on podcasts that I've just been listening to more albums. Um, I recommended Lucy Dasis recently, and so I've been enjoying her work still. Um, but the new Vince Staples album, which is self-titled, is also flames yeah it's 22 minutes long you can be done with it in for example like a short commute home from work you can enjoy it on a walk been staples uh also connecting my all of my chatsums together did a lot of work with uh sophie uh the producer so tying it all back together i'm trying to get you into the kind of music that i like that makes me uh, my heart sing uh they always say that music fills time the way that art fills space and uh, yeah, New Vince Staples uh, record is pretty freaking dope. What about you? I have two. So the first is a YouTube channel recommendation. If you, for whatever reason, are looking to get into making videos, there are a lot of channels out there with advice. And, you know, I've watched a bunch of them and a lot of them are just kind of vaguely grating, but they give good advice. Um, but I have a channel that has great YouTube advice and the guy is really charming and he also gets really creative with his editing and his B roll and they're just rewarding videos to watch. The channel's called film booth. Uh, so I highly recommend it. Some of the most fun and pleasant, uh, YouTube tip videos I've ever watched film Mm. booth on YouTube. And then I have a music recommendation as well. Yeah. That dropped, Today, as of this recording, oh, no. the newest release oh, no. from Canada's Darlings, Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The newest release from Canada's Darlings, Bare Naked Ladies, Detour de Force. Ah, oh, not bad. <laughs> wow. Certified not bad. <laughs> I think it's at least as good as fake nudes. Whoa. If not okay. better. Oh. Ooh. And fake news yeah. was these was these fake news. The fake news was these. They're coming out of that sort of grinning streak, 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 uh, and they're settling into this kind of, you know, this phase of their careers where they're still able to make these songs that are really pleasant that aren't gonna blow your socks off, but you're gonna be like, oh yeah, I okay, I really like this. So Detour de Force, great title, great art, pretty good, pretty good record if you're a Baronica Ladies fan like me. And I am, kind of, not as much, but I am. Yeah, I am. I'm. Uh, hey, guys, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Majon, for that. Uh, check out all the links. Uh, they should all be in the show notes. And hey, guys, thank you for listening uh, thank you to Magellan for being the rock to my heart place. And thank you for listening to Peaks Chats. Damn fine podcast.
Hey everybody, welcome to the Spoiler Zone. If you've listened this far into the podcast, then you have watched season one and two of Twin Peaks, and you have watched Firewalk with me. You ate the hot wings, you watched the television, you're here so we can spoil the, t- the show and gush about things that are to come. Magellan, your favorite scene from season two in all of Twin Peaks is James uh, singing uh, his beautiful song with Donna and Maddie on the floor of their living room, correct? Yes. God bless. Apparently, Ryan, <laughs> a friend of the podcast, Ryan... That's uh, cool. Yes, true. Ryan Brasad was telling me that um, that scene, like, first of all, he's pitched up. That's not how the actor's voice actually is. Mm-hmm. And second of all, the, the guy, like, actually plays guitar. And so they, like, made the scene around him doing that. That's why it's, like, a recording thing. Mm. I'll read more into it so I can, like, more con- confidently explain that. But the context of that scene is, is so buck wild. Also, season two, episode two has, like, way more Bob stuff. Like, we're going to get so much Bob, dude. <laughs> we're going to get yeah, sick of yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I think to your point of, like, you haven't gotten to Twin Peaks yet. Uh, or, like, this was a prequel or whatever. Definitely the first few episodes of season two should have been in season one. Right? Yes. Yes. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like we're at a season break. It feels like we're at a mi- a mid season break yeah, or like something an act like break. that. Um but I don't know. People also just don't I don't know. People just kind of talk about the vibe of Twin Peaks and we've definitely got like the complete taste of the vibe, I think, at yeah. this point. You're not going to get, like, a different... You're not going to get more of a... You need, like, if you want the supernatural stuff, I feel like we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, We're going to get more of it. But, like, Garmambosia? Yeah, well, that's, like... Now you're talking about, like, lore. Yeah. I guess the lore is the stuff that I also like. The lore is the stuff we haven't really gotten. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But people also don't really talk about the lore. My, yeah that in like my friend groups people do but that's not like when you say culturally like what do people talk what they talk about when they talk about twin peaks yeah i agree 100 percent. um can i read you the log lady quote from this episode and see if we can parse it at all sure a drunken man walks in a way that is quite impossible for a sober man to imitate and vice versa an evil man has a way no matter how clever to the trained eye his way will show itself am i being too secretive no one can never answer questions at the wrong moment Life, like music, has a rhythm. This particular song will end with three sharp sounds, like deathly drum beats. Obviously, three bullets to the chest, three sharp oh, sounds. Sure, yeah. I I was interpreting that whole thing as being about Leland. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the, the first part definitely is. Well, and I was interpreting the sharp sounds as like the... I guess it doesn't make sense. I was thinking of the heart monitor, but I guess that doesn't make three sharp sounds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the like evil man moves in ways that you can tell or whatever. Cause you mm-hmm. see him when he's like the hospital and you see the evil in his eyes. You're like, Oh no. <laughs> and you see after he does it, how his face changes completely changes in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Spooky. Yeah. Really, really spooky. Um, I want to go down some plot stuff from this episode and just answer the questions that we have lingering. Yeah. And you wanted to quiz me on. Yeah. Something? Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to go through these. And then as I have questions, as we have things that are left hanging, I'm going to see if you can figure them out. Um, Jac- I'm going to go to the possible. So Jacoby creeps around the bushes towards Maddie. Do you know who attacked Jacoby? Um, I don't know. Was it Leland? Good job. Uh, <laughs> Did Leland shoot Cooper also? Uh, no. Okay. 
uh, Audrey, I don't think she sees her dad. I think she hides from her dad. Like she just, uh, they don't run into each other or they do they and they have a conversation about it. I don't remember. Now. I don't remember, but she definitely saw him in the mirror. No, no, or... no. Sorry. She saw him. I'm saying they don't. I was I wasn't clear on this in the episode either. They don't like interact. I think she saw him and said, oh, shit, and like hides behind the couch or something. That was yeah. my guess. Something like that. Um, it gets resolved very quickly, whatever yes, it is. Yes, for sure. Leo is alive and comatose, and yeah. Yeah. Bobby and Shelly play games with him, and then we, he wakes we up. We didn't talk about how he watches like the analog he of him being himself. shot <laughs> on Invitation to Love. Oh, can you be was, more on the nose? Was very on the nose, yeah. Come um, on. Yeah. Come and on. Bobby was just like, see ya. <laughs> go I'm gonna go die, die right here, but all right, see, see ya, later. loser. Um, yeah. Uh do do do. We also James didn't talk about how James they find the cocaine in James's uh motorcycle and they're grilling him and stuff. I, I briefly mentioned it when I was saying all the stuff that happened at the police oh, yeah, office. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I at least I, I don't remember service. that going anywhere. Is that is that why he leaves town? Maybe. Oh no, he leaves town to find his mom. Also, maybe. <laughs> yeah, whatever. He leaves town for some reason. But before Cat. he goes, he lays down a fire tra- fire track. Yes. Yeah. Of course, he's got it. You got to lay down the tracks. Just like he's like the Andy Mack of this show. Um, Harry Mack. Harry Mack. Andy Mack. Who's Andy Mack? Um, Rochelle's fine. Catherine's fine. Nadine's fine. But. Well, is Catherine fine? I think is, she's it con- is it ever confirmed that Catherine is Mr. Ch- Tajimura? Yeah. It's like fully confirmed? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. I wouldn't remember it if it wasn't confirmed. I would have. I, I, those types of things totally like slide over my head all the time. Gotcha. Um, I need Hank to hurry up and get out of here. I know he's it's <laughs> like he makes it the whole season and then dies like stupidly at the end. Oh, um, God, really? There's that much more Hank? Yeah, dude. It's like Wyndham Earl kills him or some shit. My God. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Hold on. Let me scroll to the bottom of his thing. This is something I'm allowed to do. Do do do. I don't remember. I can't. Oh wait, fatally knifed in the prison weight room by a distant cousin of the Renault family. Oh. Oh sure. Okay. His death marked the end of the Jennings bloodline. Thank God. Um. Yeah. Hank continues to suck. Josie becomes a a fucking cartoon yeah. character. Yep. She's like the nexus of dumb stuff in the show. Uh, Cooper Jacques Jacques might be alive. No, Jacques is not alive. I just I think I think what I'm remembering is that Jacques is in Firewalk with me because it's a prequel. Yeah. He's in the prequel yeah. parts of it at least. Sounds right. Um, Cooper says that Leo that stuff. Catherine and Pete so, Norma stuff. So what's the deal with Laura's connection to Leo? Or is Leo connected at all to Bob and stuff? Or is he just like a not great guy? I think he's a not great guy who was involved. Not like in the spiritual lore way, but in the like, he's just one of Bob's like many bad pe- people that he spent time with. Like Bob possessed him at one point. No, no, no. Like Bob in the body of other people. Like Bob is in Leland's body in the yeah. train scene, in the scene that worked that they talk about in this episode. In the train scene? I'm sorry. When they're in the train yard and they put the chip in Laura's mouth, that's like Bob Leland also is, is there, I think. With them when they're like getting high and doing sex stuff or i think or he like comes afterwards like he comes to end that he's in that's where he does it though that's where he kills her i'm pretty sure oh okay um 
That's how I remember it. I don't want to. I I I could Google it, but I don't want to ruin the pacing of this segment. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Last thing then. Who shot Agent Dale Cooper? And then we're gonna talk about Cooper's past because we didn't talk about it last week. But I want to know if you know or can remember. Um, give me a couple options, and I can see if you can get it. Well, you said it's not Leland. Yep. It's um, really dumb. Is it someone we've met yet? Yeah. Uh, who could it be? It's not Leo. He just got shot. It could Correct. be Hank. Okay. Hank's been pretty busy, though. Hank's been pretty busy. Um, who else? Um, I have no idea. Who else who- could it be? Bobby? I don't know. No. Bobby's busy with, uh, with yeah, Leo. Leo. So uh, basically, yeah, it's it? it doesn't make a lot of logical sense, which is why you don't remember it. But it makes thematic sense. It's Josie. Josie oh. shot Agent Cooper. Why? It's because they're trying to fully establish that Josie's not a nice person. Like her character is, in some ways, an attempt to like subvert this innocent young woman stereotype because she's actually like very shrewd and manipulative. And uh-huh. so that's that's where her coming into shooting Dale Cooper but, comes but from. But what motive does she have for shooting Cooper? Like I said, all the Googling I did was people being like, oh, there isn't like clear reasoning for it. Um, but uh, it's more so. It's, it's a, I think I would just assume that it's more like, oh, this guy's probably after he's done with the Laura stuff going to figure out what he's I've been up to. Out. I see. Let's yeah. get him out of the picture. I see. That doesn't make sense. No, 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 no. I mean, hey, it makes enough TV sense, but it doesn't make sense. We're gonna get, we're gonna get the giant next week, dude. Like we have, we're, we're the giant. I love him so much. Carol, Carl, Carol Striken, the actor's name. I'm gonna look it up. Sure. But yeah, but the last thing is, uh, we were talking about uh, Cooper's secrets during the episode with the Full Metal Analysts, and we didn't like take that into the spoiler zone, really. Um. I don't think it was with them. I think it was with us. Just us, oh, was that yeah. just us? Okay, mm-hmm. but it was in that in that overall episode. Yeah, where Audrey was like, "Hey, do you have any secrets?" And Cooper says, "No." He's lying. <laughs> he, of course, yeah, he's lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What are your so, secrets? He's got with the Windham Earl stuff, which I totally forgot yeah. about. Agent Cooper yeah. had sex with and Earl's wife, right? Earl's wife, which is why Earl went crazy and got into the Black Lodge. And used all that stuff, and he, that's why he kills Annie, or tries to kill Annie. Or I think he does kill it. No, he does not. Um, Annie he attempts... is, is Heather Graham's character? Yes, it is. And does Cooper have a romance with her? Yeah, he does. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, Because they didn't want him with uh, Sherilyn Fenn anymore, because it was weird. Yeah, but Heather that's... Graham isn't that much older than Sherilyn Fenn. Right. right? It's just, just enough that it's not weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So, that stuff happens. Um um anything else you got big guy what did you want to quiz me on oh that it was it was who could who killed uh it was who killed or who shot agent cooper okay i guess Uh, i say quiz and it suggests like a music and multiple choice options but it was more like do you know yes no (laughs) is that a way to i i I have a question i'm trying to remember so one of our guests i can't remember who it was now maybe it was nick somebody made like a uh, sort of passing comment about like Andy being unable to do something. And then I saw in a summary of the season two episode that he goes to get a sperm count test 
What what was up with that? Like he's not fertile or something, right? Well, he's eventually fertile. But Lucy's pregnant right now. Yeah. Oh, isn't it com- isn't it complicated and then it involves like Dick Tremaine? Right, that's what I'm asking. Is it like not Andy's kid right now or something? And that's why I he think, was upset. I think that's correct. That sucks. I just I I guess it is a trend spoiler, so I'm not gonna say anything about Andy and Lucy that I wanted to say, but I'll tell Magellan off air. Um damn, I have to do the spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> 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 it has its own music and you can't listen to it. <laughs> it's just like the it's 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 looping back around Magellan. That 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 podcast you like is coming to come back, back in style. In style. <laughs> Just like Peach Chess used to not be on a podcast, now it's going to not be on a podcast. Shut up. Okay, I'll stop talking. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Magellan. (laughs) And goodbye. Bye-bye.